0: Welcome to Lectio Divina. Maybe if theology and comedy meet, it might make the divine more complete. This is a theory I'm working on. Lectio comita, that name is inspired by a practice in the church called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is a sacred way of reading the Bible that uh, believes that God will speak and believes that we can internalize the words of the Bible and meditate on them and notice in ourselves kind of what those words are um, bringing up and what words stand out to us. And then um, after such meditation, it's kind of like you believe that God will empower you to sort of live your life and carry these words and their meaning in your life with you um, throughout the week. Um, so for my purposes, um, I'm going to do Lectio divina, which is I'm going to go through the church calendar, which is a calendar of reading through the Bible. And I'm going to go through that church calendar and try and make some comedy with it um and so the church calendar is called the lectionary and um i'm gonna go through that and some of, i'm not gonna be like in i am gonna be interpreting the bible somewhat but um I'm going to be interpret- interpreting it for the sake of creating comedy and I'm going to be internalizing it from my perspective um, and maybe what's cool about comedy and what I love about it is that um, I love those times when I feel that I connect with a comic and a comic makes me feel like less alone and I don't mean that in like a super sad way I mean that in like a comedy way like i love sharing a sense of humor with somebody else and so um maybe somebody shares the same sense of humor with me and that's cool um this maybe won't be for everybody or maybe certain episodes will be for some people and certain episodes won't um but yeah so i'm going to be interpreting um the bible for the sake of comedy lectio comedia that's what it is um, so for today's reading and the lectionary text, um, uh, we have Lamentations 3, the book of Lamentations, um, the book of Psalms chapter 130 and then chapter 30. And then for those who read the Apocrypha, um, the wisdom of Solomon chapter one, uh, is referenced. And then Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and then Mark 5 Um, and so those will be referenced a little bit throughout uh, this little interpretation, comedic interpretation but um, maybe this will be the only time you'll hear them all said together Um, so yeah, that's Lamentations 3 um, where we're like agonizing over reality and then um, trusting in um, the steadfast love of the the Lord and for a lot of Christians um, steadfast love is something that's really important and for me I'm one of those people who finds um, that love which is in Hebrew it's chesed which is like Um, is what steadfast love means and it's um, a very specific kind of love that um, is unconditional and unending and is expressed um, throughout the bible as something that the writers feel that they can depend on Um, so yeah in lamentations 3 and psalm the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 130, and in Psalms, chapter 30. um, I believe steadfast love comes up in all of those. And then in the Wisdom of Solomon, um, chapter 1, which I wasn't raised in a church that reads the Apocrypha or read read the Wisdom of Solomon, but I'm glad to have read it through this um, little lectionary experiment, Lectia Comita. Um, because it it talks about how God didn't create death and how, like, God doesn't kill people. And I think um, that's the first time I've ever read something in the Bible that said that. And it meant a lot to me um, this past week. And just with um, maybe things that are going on in the world and stuff like that. And so... um, it's just nice to hear it come from a place where that holds a lot of authority in my past. Um, And I guess in my present and probably will in the future. um, But um, specifically for a lot of things in my past, I guess because of so many things I've heard in my past, um, it's cool to have something that feels like it's from my past speak to me. Presently, if that makes sense, um, or connect with me presently. So, and then Second Corinthians eight is another text from the reading. Um, not all pastors use all these readings when they preach or whatever, but um, I'm just going through all of them just because, um, maybe because I have OCD or something. But Second um, Corinthians eight talks about like um, not creating like a stumbling well I think it uses the word stumbling block but it talks about how like in their religious context at that time like the writer was saying like um, hey if this group of people is offended by you doing this like don't do it around them you know Um, like try not if you can like obviously he says like they have a weak conscience and so like be mindful of that and you know just don't like take liberties just because you can take liberties you know like be sensitive i guess to them like maybe don't maybe saying like don't rub it in their faces or something but um and then mark five is um, Jairus's Jairus's. Anyway, he's this uh, religious leader, um, and Mark five is a story. Uh, Mark chapter five um, is a story about Jesus' interaction with this religious leader whose daughter is dying, um, and it's also it also includes a story of this hemorrhaging woman who's been hemorrhaging um, for twelve years and she's been to all these doctors and stuff and she can't like. Um, find anybody to help her and so she's like determined to meet jesus because she thinks he can help her and then jesus meets with her and then um like he's late to go see the religious leader's dying daughter and the dying daughter jesus says is just sleeping and he says like little girl get up and she gets up and she eats something you know and so it's like this whole thing so um we'll reference that later anyway Um, a little background before we get into more stuff is, um, sorry about that noise. Um, a little background, uh, before we get into more, um, we'll do background via comedy maybe. Uh, there's this, I make some videos and have made some videos through partnering people, Um, on YouTube and you can look it up on YouTube it's partner people NLM and um, the letters NLM partner people Um, because if you type the letters NLM or write them or write MLN or type MLN those three letters um, they look like you're flipping the bird to somebody Um, so NLM Partner people, if you look up those words on, you have to put no spaces. So NLM, no spaces, and then partner people, YouTube. And then you'll see some videos. So, again, not for everybody. So, whatever. Um, but my friend Laurel's in the video. The video's about my mom. Um, briefly about my mom. I mean, it jokes about my mom, too, and um, references it was made at the time that the Orlando shooting happening happened at Pulse nightclub. And, um, and so it kind of deals with that, um, deals with tragedy and, um, religion anyway. So NLM is that one. Uh, and it talks about my mom and mental illness and, um, she has obsessive compulsive panic anxiety disorder. And we've always been open about that. And I have anxiety too, but, Um, I think comedy has always been a way of sort of grounding both of us. And um, like if we're getting upset or whatever, something like if something can be funny, usually it helps. Um, And I think it's been a comedy has been a way of connecting with my dad too. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it helps. Right. So, because we have like differing ways of looking at stuff politically, religiously, um, socially like you name it we probably look at things differently but when it comes to things being funny the way we are the same is that we prioritize comedy I think and so um yeah it's just um I think a lot of people are like that where comedy just helps kind of like helps us come together a little bit so um yeah you can look for that video it talks comedically about my mom and, um, yeah. So anyway, moving forward, um, we'll talk about, uh, this, uh, church in, well, they have a few church plants, steadfast, um, Bible church, I think is what they're called. Maybe. Um, and one of their preachers names is Adam. And he has this video, um, where he, well, just you can look up "steadfast Bible church" and or "steadfast Baptist church" and Sarah Silverman on YouTube, and it'll come up. It's like a minute and forty one. Yeah. So if you want to take a break and go look at that video, go ahead do that. If not, that's fine. But uh, basically, he's like praying for the untimely death of Sarah Silverman based on part of the Bible uh, that talks about. Uh, uh, oh, Andy's also helping her teeth get kicked in, but it's based on this part of the Bible that talks about um, pastors needing to be ready to like stand up to the quote the circumcised who are quote um, slanderers. Okay, and so he does some loose association here. And he draws based on from this passage that he um, needs to be ready as a pastor to speak up against um, Jewish people who speak out against Christians, and he feels very proud about this. Um, this pastor, and um, so yeah, he thinks that because this letter from. A long time ago says that he needs to as a pastor be able to stand up against circumcised slanders that he needs to be able to stand up um, against Jewish people who talk badly of Christians so that's his interpretation and a few things about the video um, if He's equating the circumcised, if he's like being literal, right? Um, if you're gonna interpret the Bible literally, you might as well go all the way because um, it you might as well. So he's wanting to speak up against the circumcised, okay? I'm pretty sure if you're speaking up against Sarah Silverman, she is not circumcised. I don't think she practices female circumcision. Um, and also, um, I know this pastor's not speaking out against Christianity, um, but I'm pretty sure he's probably circumcised. Now, I haven't checked, I haven't done any research, but I'm just saying he's probably circumcised. Moving on. Um, I think this guy, like, so he takes Sarah Silverman seriously when she says that she would kill Jesus again or kill Christ again, Um, She's making this reference that people always blame the Jews for killing Christ. And she jokes saying, like, so what? i kill him again, you know, if I hear his Birkenstocks clacking my way. You know, like, and that's funny. And it's even funnier because she adds Birkenstocks clacking. But um, because of Jesus' sandals. So she's joking, though, okay? And he's... Misunderstanding that she's joking. and so he th- feels obligated based on his literal or somewhat literal interpretation of um, this biblical passage. He feels obligated to say that he wants or prays that Sarah Silverman would have an untimely death and would have her teeth kicked in. So he's misunderstanding that Sarah Silverman is joking, and he's also, he's, for me, he's misunderstanding. Um, the Bible by way of a literal interpretation. Um, but it's only almost a literal interpretation. Only almost, because Sarah Silverman's not circumcised. At least I don't think she's circumcised. Also, um, if you notice, um, well, if you like the Bible or enjoy the concept of steadfast love in the Bible, um, then you might be bothered by the video um, because right behind the pastor, there's these large letters that say steadfast. Okay. It doesn't say steadfast love, of course don't want to include the word love up there, but um, it says steadfast and it's spelled wrong. It's spelled S T E D F A S T instead of S T E A D F A S T. So, Um, now this church is a KJV church. And so, which means they only read the King James version, KJV, the King James version of the Bible. Um, and, uh, I checked the King James version of the Bible and the King James version that they read also spells steadfast. S-T-E-A-D-F-A-S-T, not like they do S-T-E-D-F-A-S-T. So I think it's just like, we are doing a lot of half, half-assed half work here at Steadfast Bible Church. I don't know. It's like, if you're only going to do it halfway, why do it at all? You know, like, can't even spell steadfast, right? You're not reading very in depth here. You know, it's like a little bit lazy, maybe. Or it's like, Was it an accident? I, like, have so many questions about why steadfast. And it's not like the word is, like, up there, like, on a whiteboard behind him. It's, like, painted on the wall in this, like, really nice word art font. Um, So, just so you know. So, but I don't mean to, like, just make fun of this guy. Like, um, because that's not very helpful, right? I know that because in having conversations where I disagree um, with, like, anybody, and it's usually my parents and I who kind of get into it, but in having conversations with each other, it doesn't help, like, to make fun of the other party, right? That doesn't get you anywhere. It just kind of escalates anger or emotions. And so I guess, like, what I think is um, having come from a mindset where i have taken the bible literally or maybe i've never really done that um but try when i was in more of a like phase where i was like trying to like obs like i wasn't trying to obsess over the bible i was obsessing over the bible i was reading it all the time to like try and you know follow god as well as i possibly could basically um, especially when i was in like high school late high school or well yeah mid high school to and in college you know and like um it's so excuse me uh, yeah i'm getting bored by myself um i i like understand the mindset and being in the place of like um this, it's this fantastic way of thinking about the Bible where you are in a different place and you're not connected to the real world or to actuality. Instead, you become more connected to a book than to people. You become more connected to the Bible than to real people in the world. You become more connected to your idea of Paul, the writer of... some of the books of the bible you become more connected to what you think or who you think this guy is than to real people you become more connected to who you think jesus is than you are to the people that jesus is said to have loved um and there yeah so there's a definite disconnect from reality and so all that is to say, I don't want to just make fun of this pastor, but what I want to say is that I've been there. I've come from that mindset. I know what it's like. And um, and so I'm just... I guess what I want to do is just talk about it. And like as they say, you know, if it's mentionable, it's manageable, right? So maybe like we can manage our feelings about what this guy has said, and maybe he can manage his own feelings of being connected of being criticized you know maybe he can connect as well um because you know it's better that than not talking about it maybe moving on in order to deal with this sort of fantastic thinking i like to like really take things to their like full extent right um like if we're gonna say we want to speak out against the circumcised well let's go all the way because um sarah silverman's not circumcised so you've kind of missed your mark there you know and then that exposes the fact that well you're not taking the bible literally at this one place so it's like are you gonna do it or are you not gonna do it kind of thing anyway we're past it we're past the steadfast bible church okay we're over it now on to another sort of religious thing right There's a lot of cliches when it comes to religion. There's a lot of like things we say automatically that are just kind of silly. Um, Maybe they're not silly, but they're like placeholders for saying something meaningful or not saying anything at all. Um, One example of that is this phrase where we say like, if God Or if you give something away, God will give it back to you double. And um, I wanted to put that phrase into an equation, right? So um, I did, and it's X minus X um, plus 2X, right? X minus X give something away plus 2X. God gives it back to you double, right? That's the equation for the cliche. So if you test it, right, if you test that equation, insert some type of reality into the equation, just see what it, what turns out, right? So here's a part of reality, okay, that you could put in the equation, virginity, right? So let virginity equal x, right? Um, so x now equals v. So it's v minus v plus 2v, right? you give your virginity away under this cliche principle God will give it back to you double so if you give your virginity away you get your virginity back double now you've got double virginity now don't stop there give it away again double virginity minus double virginity plus two times double virginity equals quadruple virginity now Give it away again. Quadruple virginity minus quadruple virginity plus two times quadruple virginity equals how many virginity? Eight. got eight virginity. And now you're on your way to potentially infinite virginity. So we're just playing with cliches. The point is, of that cliche you just got to be more generous just test the equation out see if it works out try it yourself give your virginity away and keep giving it away you're on your way to infinite virginity you can find that video it's called generosity it's on youtube uh, if you want to share it with your friends partners So my cat is in the background cleaning her ears. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Anyway, um, but speaking of my cat, I was talking to my cat the other day about current events, and I came up with this theory that uh, Donald Trump is the new Noah. Okay, here's why. He's talking about unlocking the power of space. He's been talking about it since his inaugural address, okay? He just came on the news last week talking about how he wants to be, like, really capitalizing on space, okay? And um, then I'm thinking about, like, uh, hello, like, uh, what happened in the story of Noah's Ark? Well, uh, God was going to genocide the earth with flooding. Um, This is in the book of Genesis a guy was going to genocide the earth with flooding and um and noah was like supposed to build a space ark so that he and his family could get on and all these animals could could get on and be safe from the flood and then they would start like a new population together right well maybe hello What's about to happen is maybe this time God's going to genocide the Earth by exploding it. And guess who's going to be on a space arc headed to start a new population? Donald Trump. Okay, and a select group of people. Well, I'm not going to make it onto any kind of boat with that select group of people. But what I might be able to do is die and be reincarnated as one of those animals that make it onto the space arc. So what I'm thinking is... People like uh, Donna Karen, Anthony Bourdain, these are smart people, right? Not stupid people, okay? They are already onto this, okay? They're going to be re- reincarnated and they're going to hop on that space arc as some of those cool animals. And I think Donna Karen, I don't know what she's going to be. I'm not even stylish enough to know what she would be, like maybe a Dalmatian or something. But then like Anthony Bourdain, he would be like, I don't know. I want to say like, a bird because like birds can fly anywhere and he like to travel parts unknown right and like they eat interesting things but small amounts I don't know I want to see a bird moving on um so yeah 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 but like he's definitely gonna like Donald Trump's the new Noah so sorry got sidetracked he's the new Noah um, that's why he's wanting to like focus on space and stuff Oh, another thing. Um, So Trump talks a lot about God, and, like, my job is, like, religiously oriented, or my studies are, and right now. And so my job always has been religiously oriented, so I guess the God thing is something that Noah and I have in common. I mean, oh, excuse me, Trump, not Noah. Trump and I have in common. And um, speaking of God, my cat told me the other day that... um, well, my cat was talking to me and was like, hey, guess what? I'm God. So, my cat is God, just so you know. Second thing my cat told me, my cat was like, hey, guess what? And I was like, what? My cat was like, I'm gay. And I was like, of course. So, um, cats are God, and God is gay, and Donald Trump and I share the same gay cat. Next question is, uh, how's Donald going to tell Pence that God is gay? You know, how's Pence going to react to that? I think, actually, I know, my cat was talking to me, and my cat was like, I'm just like, I don't know what Pence is going to do when he finds out. I don't actually know what all these people are going to do when they find out I'm gay gonna freak out and I was like well yeah they are gonna freak out I mean like especially the people from the south or in the southern United States and like not to mention people like living in certain other countries that are like even worse off worsely like homophobic like holy crap and then I'm like well like I guess it does make a whole lot of sense that God is gay and like God's like having a hard time coming out right now because God isn't even helping very much. Um, but, you know, you got to let people come out in their time. But, like, shouldn't we have a higher standard for God? It's like, come on out, God. Like, it's about time. I need your help. Moving on. Um... So the point of comedy like is for me is very similar to what the second Corinthians 8 passage says for today. It's like the point is like not to offend anybody or to rub it rub anything in anybody's face about like the liberties that I take with the Bible or with sacred things or with religion. That's not the point. The point is to be honest, you know, and to like trust that maybe mm, like what I'm saying might connect with somebody and, um, and to like be able to freely make art, I guess. And like, so for me, like, like making God gay is like, makes it um, even more laughable that God would hate gay people. Um, And it's kind of fun to say that God's a gay cat. And also, um, I was just talking to um, my cat, and if you heard... I mean, I don't know if you can hear her, but she said it was fine. The joke was fine. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, like, in Mark Mark chapter 5, which is also in the lectionary text for today, um, like, Jairus' daughter, this religious leader's daughter, is... Um, uh, sick and like dying and um, and he comes to Jesus because he like wants him to help and then this woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years is like trying to talk to Jesus and um, and so like there's a lot of things you can draw from this story about like um, like the political climate at the time and how religious leaders like, got pol- political authority or preference and things like that, which they still do today. And, like, this hemorrhaging woman wasn't important, and she's not even named, okay? The fact that she's not named is important, right? So she's just a hemorrhaging woman, and yet uh, Jairus, the religious leader who's a man, has a name, right? His daughter doesn't have a name. He has a name, and he's not even the sick one, right? Yet he has a name in the story, okay? Okay geez so the point of this is that um what i drew away from it was these two women were hard to kill they were frail but they were hard to kill which made me think of that mariah carey song um that she does with whitney houston so it's also that whitney houston song sorry whitney um and it made me think of that song "When You Believe" from the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Masterpiece. That's a masterpiece. And um, and it made me yeah, cause so it's like though no hope is frail, it's hard to kill, right? And so I was thinking about that phrase the other day, and I was like trying to think of like some other things that are um, frail but hard to kill, and I was like, well. Um, oh yeah 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 well I couldn't think of anything and then I was watching this bird documentary and this um bird these baby birds were hatched on top of a mountain cliff right their parents chose to have them on top of a mountain cliff and so like then these baby birds have to learn to fly by jumping off the mountain and so the baby birds like you watch them in the documentary it doesn't pan away and they bounce off the side of the cliff right on their way down the mountain now some of the baby birds make it, and so I was like, okay, baby birds are frail but hard to kill in the case of jumping off a mountain. But if you were, but birds like baby birds don't do, or birds in general don't do so well in jars, okay. So, one time I found a, a bird in a jar, a dead bird in a jar, and um, and like. I took it as a sign from God, right? And so it was like, okay, what can I learn from this? So here are the three things that I learned from God based on this dead bird I found in a jar. Number one. Excuse me. Number one. uh, Never be trapped in an enclosed space with only an opening at the top. Number two. Um... Uh, never let jars be manufactured that are bigger than humans. Number three, if said jars begin to be manufactured, um, I will start a petition and that will be the start to my political career because no jars ever need to be made that are bigger than humans. Um, so that's just what God told me based on the dead bird in a jar. But then I got to thinking about the backstory of the bird in the jar, right? How did the bird get there? How did the bird die? Didn't take me long to come to the conclusion that the bird was thirsty that day. And um, the bird came to that jar, wanted water, drowned in the jar. Um, Sad story, but a true story. But if you're familiar with the Bible at all, um, you could say that this bird was much like the woman at the well in in John chapter 4. And uh, now that bird will never be thirsty again forever. Um, So there's a little bit of religious jargon. I don't like jargon. I don't like leaving people out. But um, hopefully, whatever, you aren't left out. The stories from John 4 about the woman never being thirsty forever. Makes a joke work. Whatever. So... Lectio Comita, in conclusion, um, the jokes that I make on Lectio Comita regarding the Bible aren't meant to be offensive. Uh, They're meant to be a blessing, not a curse. And um, uh, the blessing is being able for me to speak differently about religious things and for the, the way I speak about those religious things to find a place And more than that, for the way I speak about things, to make a connection. And um, the potential blessing is uh, that connection through smiles, curiosity, or laughter. Um, And, yeah, a way of talking about religion that maybe is a little less religious. Uh, So, yeah, comedy is an us thing, a we thing. Um, It's not about just my way of interpreting, though. And so, like, if you ever, like, in any of these podcasts want to connect with me and maybe, like, collaborate on something or, like, have a dialogue within the podcast, I would freaking love that more than anything. Um, And uh, I'm, like, embarrassed for some reason that I said uh, freaking... But, um, yeah, my goal in Lectio Comita is not to make anyone angry um, through speaking differently about religion. Um, Not at all, actually. And my goal is not to demean anyone um, or to, like, create arguments or fights or whatever, but just to speak differently. That's all and um, yeah and this is going to be a practice um, but I want the practice to be similar to the practice or mantra that um, Thich Nhat Hanh um, has um, he said in his interview with Oprah that his mantra um, starts with darling I know you're there wait no it starts with darling you know something I'm here and then the next part is darling I know you're there and I'm so happy about it and then the last part is um, about when there's suffering involved in your relationship and so it's um, the third mantra is darling I know you suffer that's why I'm here And then the very last part of the mantra is like when your loved one creates suffering for you um, or maybe suffering is created outside of you. So the last part is, darling, I suffer. I'm trying to practice. Please help me. And so my hope with Lectio Camita is that you would help me practice Lectio comita. um and that maybe there will be a little less suffering surrounding religion um, by way of comedy